Hi, it's Karen from See Me, Hear Me, Love Me. We're the podcast for parents with young children, and we know that life with kids is messy, but we're here to celebrate those messes, from spilled milk to emotions spilling out of little volcanoes. And you know what? We really believe in you. You got this, and you're not alone. I just want you to know a little something about your host. Karen Deerwester is an educator, author, and all-in cheerleader for kids being kids. Karen has been a corporate spokesperson as well as a reasonable and reliable voice for kids and parents in print and on TV on NBC, MSNBC, NPR, Parents Magazine, and many more. Best of all, Karen leads the parent-child classes right here at Benetar Congregation of Boca Raton, Florida. Get ready for some fun, a ton of encouragement, and maybe a little inspiration. I can't believe it. Today is the one-year anniversary of See Me, Hear Me, Love Me. So I had to have guests at the square table who have been a big, big, big part of the journey with me. Lynn Sasso is here, and she gets credit for coming up with this perfect podcast name that is a constant reminder of the heart and soul of what this is all about. It focuses my work well beyond this room. It is what I want for all of us, especially for children growing into themselves and this world. We also have Shirley Stern and Marnie Wetzler, who have been all-time favorite podcast guests from the very beginning. It's been a year of learning and growing, sharing stories, and knowing every step of the way that no one is alone, but it's hard and scary out there, but worth every minute. So what we think we want to talk about today is leaving the bubble and how it feels when you create the bubbles for yourselves, um, for your children, where, where you kind of get it in the groove, and then change comes. And whether it's where you were a year ago or where you will be a year from now, change is not always easy, um, and it's definitely going to be disruptive for your children, for yourselves, for your expectations, um, and just living with all that uncertainty. So. Lynn, you've already come out of this bubble here at B'nai Torah and moved into a new one. So you have some experiences to share um, about that journey. I think the anticipation of leaving the bubble was definitely um, more stressful and kind of time consuming and emotionally draining than actually leaving and starting that new journey. Uh, and, you know, of course, there are bumps in the road along the way. Is your kid going to make new friends? Are you going to make new friends? Are the teachers going to like your kid? Are the teachers going to like you? Uh, those are all kind of things that are stressful and unknown uh, in moving to a new school. But, you know, in the end, it, it all works itself out and we feel totally at home 100% and everything is And it's great. only the beginning of November. Right. And already the new school is a new home. Absolutely. Uh, for both your children yes. and for your whole family. Yes, totally. And and in some ways, I want to come back to this um, so that you guys can talk about what you're experiencing about facing the thought of cracks in the bubble. But in some ways, you made the transition slowly because Tyler went first and then Stella caught up with him in his new school and experience. But it wasn't until you had to pull yourself completely out of this bubble that you were completely immersed in the new bubble, which is fun, exciting, and full of new relationships for you and for them. So 
Totally. It's like you don't get that you don't get the the maximum benefit, growth, joy until you let go of some of that other stuff. Right. You, you there you have to let go uh, to some extent because when I just had my older one there and I was coming here, you know, he my my husband was taking my son to the other school and I wasn't there. I wasn't physically there. And now I am. I take them. I pick them up. Um, I can volunteer at school. You know, I'm there three days this week volunteering at school. Um, And again, like anything else, it's what you make of it. And so now I want to immerse myself there and make new relationships there. Uh, And that school, we're going to be hopefully, you know, it's pre-K through 12. So uh, It's 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 the next whole new school stage of their lives. And I don't even want to say how much we miss you, but we miss you, we miss you, we miss you. But we have to let you go, too, in some little way. But I'm still here, and that's, you, you know, I still see the people that matter to me and the people that, the relationships that I made that are the most important to me, I, I make time and um, and still feel welcome in this environment you as well. You never have to let it go. Right. right. And it's, it's, I remember it's one of my graduation speeches was, you know, your children, don't, we never say goodbye. Your children carry it in their hearts forever and they may not be able to talk about it or remember it or articulate it unless you've got family stories that kind of weave it in but it is part of them and we are your relationships with each other are part of you okay i'm marty's thinking i'm taking it all in jump in (laughs) um you're feeling the anticipation i am it's it's scary it's scary this has been home for us for so long i walked in these doors before i even signed up for mommy and me and i was like this feels right and it always has felt right to me. And knowing that we're almost at the end of the road is a little bit scary. I remember looking at like the older kids and thinking, oh my gosh, we have so much time. And then I snap my fingers and here we are. Yeah. He's, you know, he's in his last year and we're thinking about kindergarten. We went to kindergarten roundup yesterday and I was like, I can't believe I'm here. But it's okay, exciting. So tell us the emotions of that experience. Um, a lot of it is like surreal, like this can't be really what it is, but you know, he's almost five years old and he's ready and I need to, you know, continue to sort of let go in a way and say, he's a big kid. You know, he he's ready to go to the next school. He's ready to go to kindergarten. This morning when I walked him in, he's like, I have to go to the bathroom and I'm like, okay. And I'm going to walk in with him he's, and he stopped me and put his hand up and said, I'm a big shot. I go by myself. And I was like, okay. You know, and like I take a second, I'm so proud of him because he really is. He's come so far. He's grown so much mentally, physically, you know, at this school. And I could not have picked a better place for us. So it's bittersweet for it to come to an end, but I am looking forward to the next part. And I'm just trying to be brave and embrace change, which is never something I'm great at, but I'm learning to try to be better. So the things that are popping into my mind first is the when he says, I'm a big shot, mm-hmm. it's you knowing he's going to need you in a different way, that he that you're going to be a different kind of mommy. True. Um, as Because his needs are growing and changing. Yes. So I want you to say something about that. And then I want to still hear about um, Kindergarten Roundup in the sense that at least from what you heard yesterday and at least in terms of this anticipation, nothing is resonating like, oh yeah, this will be our next home. I'm excited. I can imagine him in these next places. Does it feel like you can make a bad decision for his school choice? Um, I've thought a lot about his school choice and there are a bunch of options, obviously. There's definitely a school that I feel like that's where I want him to be. 
So I'm kind of leaning towards that. Um, it was nice hearing about all the different options though and you know, hearing everybody speak and just kind of looking around the room and seeing, wow, these are all these moms that are in the same position I am. Some of them are second time moms like you know Shirley and some of them are first time moms like me. So it was, I think, an interesting experience just to be there and know that it's coming. It's coming even if I don't want it to happen. It's happening, and, and I'm excited about it. As far before as the bubble bursts, there's those little cracks in it that, like, uh-oh, uh-oh, change right. is happening. He's changing. The world is changing. He's changing so much, and he's becoming so much more independent and wanting to do things on his own and wanting to experience things like his big brothers. And that's big because um, so, I have three older stepchildren, just so that makes sense because I said I was a first-time mom. And this is the first time I've ever done it from beginning to end. So um, I think that he is learning to be more independent and do things on his own and still involve me, but like you said, in a different way. Kind of like he'd rather tell me about something after it happens than before it would be like, come on my hand and walk me through it. He wants me to be there after to say, this is what it felt like and this is how exciting it was and I can't wait to do it again. Right. So it's it's stuff like that. It's, it's very exciting and just, you know, emotional in a lot of ways. See, like so I get very ready. emotional. You're not even that frightened of your options but there's something that's really, really comforting in the bubble. Yes. So I'm coming back to that for why we, where that comfort is in the bubble uh, for all of us. And Shirley, you're feeling the bubble? Um, I have a little different feeling in the bubble only because we belong to the synagogue. Jacob goes to Hebrew school here. So even though we're not going to be in the preschool anymore, I'll always be at B'nai Torah. There'll always be a reason for me to be here, whether it's carpool or services or women's league or something. I'll always be here. So I, I'm less afraid in that respect. But it's, you know, leaving the preschool bubble and knowing all these teachers for the past seven years, and some of them have been here the whole time. Some of them have changed. They were two's teachers. Now they're in pre-K. Like, I feel like I know these people, yeah. and now I'm just leaving, and I have to meet all new people. But at least Sydney will likely go to the same school that Jacob goes to. So I, you know, I'm comfortable there as well. Um, but what's funny was um, the psychologist that was at Kindergarten Roundup yesterday, there were a bunch of parents talking about zoning and if one kid isn't gifted and the other one is not, do they have to go to different schools and whatever? And she said, you know, my kids were in one school for kindergarten and first, then they had to go to another one for rezoning. And she said, kids are adaptable it's the parents that are not adaptable. The parents are freaking out about the rezoning and is this going to be good and is this going to be okay? Kids kids can go to a different school every year and they'll make new friends and they'll like their teachers and they'll be comfortable because it's an adventure for kids where with parents you're just like riddled with anxiety about like is it going to be okay for my kid but really you're just anxious for yourself. Your kid's not right. feeling the same thing you're feeling. Okay, so let's go to change for our children and how do you help your children grow resilient and adaptable. No, I mean, you know that, that they are. Right. Well, we've talked about this before with respect to me, that I'm just neurotic and I just try not to put my neuroses on them. <laughs> and I think I, I do a decent job of that because my kids are fearless. They just, they'll go anywhere, they'll do anything. They, they don't have any fears. They don't have any worries. They so just go and do. So how do you introduce them to something new? Um, like prepare them right if you're if you're going to be starting so when you think about starting a new school or new class I mean the kids have been talking to each other for years 
you know, Jacob's like, Sydney's going to go to my I school next about year. This, yeah. that, that they take care of each other. Yes. Um, yeah. I'm kind of, I just listen to their conversations from the kitchen sink while the two of them are discussing. And Jacob's like, okay, Sydney, I'm probably going to be safety patrol next year. So you'll go on the bus and I'll help you. And then you probably won't know where your building is. So I'll just take you. And then she's, we go to pick up Jacob at aftercare. And she's like, I'm going to be a Del Prado Panther next year. Like she does, they, they've already dealt with it themselves. I just stand back and... He's handling her. So and everybody's she's got him. to have multiple children out there. Yes, that's you just absolutely the only have way to do it. it. It takes the burden off of you. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, going in the first time with Tyler to a new school was scary for me, and it it seemed scary for him as well. But then the second time around, like Shirley said, Stella's been there. You know, she goes to pick him up. She goes to to see him at school, and he talks about it. And she wanted it so badly. When is it my turn to go to that school? When do I get to go there? I want to be with Tyler. And the same thing for the first, you know, few weeks, he would take her by the hand when they got out of the car and walk her to her classroom. And they both thought that was really cool. Sure, the power of being the leader. So we always worry, and that's the question that parents ask us a thousand times is, do I want my child to be the oldest in the class or the youngest in the class? Mm-hmm. And the, and, but the bottom line is, when your child is the oldest or your child is a leader with a younger sibling, then they get to practice being that protector and that that person that it shows them the world and even if they were frightened themselves for themselves now they have somebody to be brave and strong for so totally. um, so you can learn by having that ease of somebody opening the doors and taking your hand but if you get to be the leader and help the little one find their way you can do that too so Marnie <laughs> the bubble yes. back to the bubble um why do you love the bubble so much? It feels safe and comfortable and familiar, you know, and the fear of the unknown is just that. It's, you know, but I might have talked about this before, but I lost my dad many years ago and his famous thing to me would always say, you worry so much and it's so silly to worry because worrying is paying a debt that you may never have to pay and isn't that just so silly? And he's right, you know, and I've tried, I mean, I'm 42 years old now and I still worry about stuff, but I hear his voice and I want to, like Shirley said, not project that onto Danny because I don't want him to be like that, but I see that he's not. He's very willing to like dive in and he is fearless and I love that about him. And he has his three big brothers that he idolizes and he says things like, will I go to school with them too one day? Am I gonna go on a bus too? And I said, you sure are. And he's like, yay, I can't wait. So is he watching them from a distance, or are they real? Are they showing him the ropes in a, in a specific? They kind of show way? him. They talk about it a lot. They say, I mean, we'll drive by. You know, my oldest is at Boca High, for example, and we'll drive by Boca High, and he's like, "That's where Gabriel goes to high school. One day, maybe I'll go there too, and I'll be right next to Whole Foods." I mean, he says things like that, you know, and he thinks like very long down the road about stuff like that. So, so it, when it's you nice. think of that that old Winnie the Pooh quote. You know, you're braver, wait, where is it? Um, You're braver than you believe, stronger than you seem, and smarter than you think. The bottom line is, even with anxious parents, even with worrisome parents, every child has that bravery and courage within, and it's just finding how to open it up. Mm -hmm. Some are going to jump in, you know, double feet, here I am world, and some are going to be a little watchful right. and, and practice it in their head before they come to that external confidence. But I think we have to be very cautious about labeling our children when it comes to brave or confident. 
it's there. It's just always there, and it's finding the opportunities to let it out. Mm-hmm. Um, because Daniel, Daniel needed to hold your hand for a lo- for a while, and then there was just a point like enough. I don't have to right. hold her hand anymore. Right. Like I, I can, can do, do this. it on I've my got own. This. Yeah. So. But it's interesting how every kid is so different. Like you say it, but like you actually see it happening. It's so interesting how some need that hand holding a little bit more than others and some are like I'm on my own like I've got this I don't need your help and you know sometimes I'll say oh make sure you do this to him and he'll be like mom don't worry I've got it you know and I'm like laughing because I'm like that's what my dad would say to me and I'm like okay you know and I'm biting my lip like oh god I hope you know but I need to let him go because I want him to be strong and independent and ready to take on the world you know how do you know how much to trust your children and how much they need um, the protection and the coaching to set them up for it. I think you trust them 100% until they prove you otherwise. Um, You assume that unless they're reaching out and asking or you see them literally falling, let them go. Uh, You know, they're not flying an airplane. They're taking a math test for the first time or learning. go, Go there with me. That the, the, when you have that doubt of, okay, a math test or anything that's sort of like, this is his work to do. This is his to succeed or fail. Right. I think that's, that's a big step. Um, and it's only because your children are out there taking those chances that, you, that you've got that extra confidence in them. Um, describe that watching and, and waiting for, for if the shoe's going to drop, if they're going to need help, or if they're going to fly. Well, I mean, it, he, Tyler's in first grade, so this is the first year that they've had, you know, quizzes or tests or whatever. And so um, three days a week, they have a math quiz. And the teachers send home flashcards to practice and extra sheets to practice. And I did that at first, and it wasn't going so well. It was kind of like a headbutting thing. And he was like, it's so easy, I know it. I was like, okay, we're not going to practice anymore. And, then it, you know, when he comes home and he passes every test, he's wow. doing great. And if he fails two in a row, then we practice. Yeah. So I don't want to over-practice. I don't want to, you know, I want him to think it's fun. I want him to like learning and, and know that he can do it on his own, that he doesn't need me to sit down and say, you have a test tomorrow, let's practice, you know your addition facts or whatever it is. So was that easy for you to let go of? Yes. <laughs> okay. Because but, it was such a miserable experience but, to do the practicing. But, and, you know. Well, bravo, because see me, hear me, love me. Because for me, um, the, the thing I hear so regularly from parents is, I know I shouldn't do this. I know I should let them have responsibility. But it's my job. It's, 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 it's that taking on that, the responsibility that should be theirs on you. Um, the, and whether it's a math test, whether it's making friends, which can be even more painful. But again, we all have our things that make us feel very vulnerable to, um, do they need us, do they not need us? How much do I need to manage this for them? Um, and it's, it goes with the, how much do I have to manage life versus someone once said to me, you know, let, let life live itself. You know, if you let it just be, um, it's, it's, it's a lot easier. But, okay, so Shirley, you've lived this in, school, in, in the big school world. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you negotiate with yourself? Um, how, how hands-on to be, how much to manage, 
and how much to let your children take the risk and fail? Um, I'm very hands-on with Jacob, probably in a helicopter-style way, um, just because I feel like if I'm not, he's such a prompt-driven kid, just from years of therapy and one-on-one that um, in an environment where there's 21 kids and one teacher and he's not someone who can always be responsible for everything that he needs to in a day, I communicate with his teachers regularly, then I have to stay on top of him. And it's just, I don't know what would happen if I didn't stay on top of him that way because even, you know, there's days still now, I mean, he's in fourth grade, so he's been going to the school for five years. Oh, I forgot to bring home my planner. Oh, I forgot to write down my homework. Oh, there was a piece of paper. And then he's like, just call so-and-so's mom. So now he's put it on me that, like, he knows that if he forgets, it's okay. Mom will just call so-and-so's mom and it will all get fixed. <laughs> yeah. And, you know. And you're fine with it. I, I'm less fine with it now than I used to be. I used to be like, I want him to get his work done. Now I'm more of like, I want him to be responsible for himself. So, so you're before, watching yourself I would facilitate anything now. for him yeah. to turn in his work and have it be correct and right. And now it's like I've told his teachers, if he can't be responsible enough to bring home what his assignment is, I'm not going to do his work for him. Okay. So if he gets a zero, he gets a zero. If he gets a minus, he gets a minus. I can't bear the burden of that any longer. Okay, and what I love in this discussion, because I think this is the crux of change, responsibility, and the protection bubble for ourselves and for them, and that is Lynn knew straight up, nope, not going there, don't want the struggle. And, and I think that we had a similar dynamic the last time we had a conversation because each of you has are very different people with very different parenting styles and very different children. And you're like, no, nope, I'm in it, I'm doing it, but I'm watching him be a leader with his sister, so I know he's got responsibility there. Mm-hmm. And up until now, that was working great, and now I'm thinking, okay, now when he tells me what I need to do to support him, now that's where the observation feedback comes in and goes, okay, maybe now uh, it's time to start backing up and passing on the responsibility. And then again, all good, because now you go to the teacher and say, well, I'm not going to be like embarrassed and think I'm the slacker mom and that I don't care. I'm going to set the foundation so that they know I'm on their team. But this is about responsibility building and not about just getting the work right or getting the right grade. So that is the trust balance, I think, um, that it's never finished and you're always renegotiating it with your, hopefully with yourself and not directly with your children, but sometimes there's a bit of negotiation with them as well. And then I think the second child gets the benefit or the spoils from whatever that is because whatever you did for the first, that after you worked out the kinks was what worked, that one gets no slack. That one is like, nope, you're getting your homework, you don't bring home your homework, you get a zero, that's it, like from the first day of kindergarten. She's not going to get till, you know, the second month of fourth grade. That's not going to happen. Right. So, unfortunately for her, she's going to have to go it alone. Or fortunately. (laughs) Or fortunately. As I said, it's either however you look at it. The the first grade teacher at Open House made it very clear. It is not your, meaning the parent's, responsibility. If they don't bring their folder, let them not bring their folder. Don't chase them down the driveway with their folder. It's all part of what they're learning to do. It's not just learning... Five plus five, it's it's, it's, it's being responsible. It's collaboration and problem right. solving and self-management. Exactly. And, I mean, I had the experience yesterday in the baby class. I had an eight-month-old go on the slide. And, and this guy was insane. He went up the steps. He found the handles, those, um, and he was pulling himself up. 
And I said to mom, just be there to spot him. He, he, you know, like, look at him. He, nobody does this at eight months. Mm. He came down, he went down the slide. She, she slowed him down, got to the bottom, stood up. And then holding onto the side, just standing there, slipped and bumped the side of his face. And I looked at her and I went, no, I feel so bad that I said, let him do it. And she was a third time, it was, it was her third child. So she was like, no, no, I'm okay with it. And I'm like, but there's that tension of how much am I supposed to protect? How much can I believe in him? I want to, I mean, he has shown me that he can do, I mean, I watched him do three things prior to that where he studied how things were moving in the classroom. And I was like, what is going on? I got like the baby scientist here. But it, whether they're eight months or whether they're eight years old, it's this crazy balance of, because when you do leave the bubble, when you embrace the change for them or for yourself, what happens is mistakes happen, somebody gets hurt, somebody, you're going to get those bumps and bruises and scars, whether they're physical or emotional, um, for taking the chance. And how do we support them through that? So one more time, how do we, um, how are you giving them the, the power to, to make it through change, the power to believe in themselves? Um, and it could be big picture stuff. It could be how you prepare them for the big change, or it might just be what you're doing day by day um, in the sense of, you know, when I think of the podcast, I think of two things. You got this, and I've got you. Right. Which right. is, you. there is always this unconditional love behind you so that when you fail, and it's okay to fail, I got you, and we'll figure it out together. So how does that work in your in your day-to-day -day parenting now for these guys? I think I'm still learning how to make it work. I'm I'm, you know, taking letting him take the lead in a lot of ways, which is hard for me because I'm a control freak and I want to like know how it's going to be, but you know, I I I'm letting him make mistakes and letting him see, "Oh, that wasn't the right way to do that. I'll handle that, you know, this way now." And a very quick example this morning. Last night I said, "You have to get your sadaka ready." And he was like, "Okay." And he never did it. And this morning, I said, you didn't do your sadaka, so you're not bringing it. And he goes, can you just get it for me, Mommy? I said, no. You need to go get it. Go get it out of your piggy bank. He's like, okay. And he went in and got it. And he goes, I did it. And I could tell Miss Randy I did it all by myself. And, you know, and maybe six months ago, I would have gone and did it for him and put it in there and just been done. But like Shirley said, like, I think you need to let them do things on their own. And if they don't do it, let them face the consequence. You know, like Lynn said, like the like they said at her school, don't give them their folder or their planner. Let them come to school without it and see what that feels like. Like, oops. And and you can viv I can vividly imagine the effort that was required of him to go back to that piggy bank when I just want to get out the door. Right. I just want to be done. He just wanted me to do it for him. I just just do it. Like it's you're faster than I am. Mm -hmm. You're efficient. You're my mom. Uh, you know, sometimes he'll say I'm mad at you if I don't do something, and I said that's okay. You have every right to be mad at me. All the new research is about effort. Mm -hmm. When they get to experience their own effort and investment in themselves and the outcomes, then they are masters of their world. They feel rewarded. I think like I did this, and I didn't need your help. And the you big know? question, as we look back, me on a year of podcasting, you over the last year or five years, eight years of parenting, is it possible that 
at some point we raise this generation, this is too idealistic, I'm sure, <laughs> that, that doesn't need the bubble, where they are so fluid and so flexible because their world is this rapidly changing world that they don't need the bubble like we do because we came from a different time and place. And so theirs is this constant, see me, hear me, love me, like, yeah, like, I know who I am, I know what I need, I can ask for what I need, I know that I have resources, whether it's resource in terms of information and technology and support, or the emotional support of a family mm -hmm. and friends and community. So can their world be different? Yes, and I think the key to, to all of it is truly trusting them, not just saying you trust them, but truly trusting them so they feel it and they know that. Um, and like you said, that you trust them no matter what. You trust them when they make a mistake, you trust them when they succeed, you trust them when they fail, and you see them, you hear them, you love them for exactly who they are all the time um, without being on top of them. And I think especially in a new school or a, a new camp or um, after school classes where you're meeting new people, for them to go in with that confidence of, I know my mom or my friend or my dad or my teacher isn't right here with me, but they believe in me. And that gives me the strength to, to be myself in this new environment. Is it just a new muscle? You know, like we talk about kids and learning like learning strategies and ways of collaborating and ways of thinking. And the effort is a muscle that, that you, you develop it like you do your body muscles, that I can think and problem solve and manage these situations. Is it just that if you keep doing it over and over and over, you keep trusting them, then they just become, it just becomes a second sense to them? Yes, because I feel like I grew up with that, so I don't know that it's something new. Um, but I think it's something that needs to be honored and trusted and seen in a child, a person, whatever age person. And then the person can, you know, operate in the world having that trust and love and belief in, in themselves. And then they can, you know, have the confidence to go out and, and get it done. Shirley, what's you writing over there? I was just thinking about when you said, like, what are they going to be like? I think to myself, when I was a kid, my parents would say, we're going for dinner. And we would get in the car and we would go for dinner. At my house now, it's, where do you want to go for dinner? And Jacob says, I want tacos. And Sydney says, oh, I want chicken tenders. And he's like, well, let's go to Rocco's. No, I don't like Rocco's. And we end up going where one of them wants to go for dinner. And then when it's time to make dinner, I make dinner for me and Keith, both the kids. I ask them what they want. My mom never asked me what I wanted. She served me dinner. I ate it. I cleaned up and I went to bed. So now I feel like my kids are indecisive in other areas because they're always given choices constantly. So they're constantly have to consider so many things instead of just saying this is what it is and let's go that I don't know if it's a hindrance or if it's, or if it's you know, a good thing. And I don't know what, what they're going to be like when they're adults. Tell us in what ways they're indecisive with too many choices. Just anything. Getting dressed in the morning. Sydney will put on old pants. Well, do I really want to wear this? I don't know if I want to wear this pink shirt. Maybe I'll just wear a dress. She will take off her clothes. She'll go put them in the hamper. 
I'm like, listen, you wore this for four <laughs> seconds. Those are not dirty. You taught her well. She'll change it. She'll put it on, and then she'll linger in that for an hour, and then when it's time to leave for school, I think I'm going to change and put on something else. There's just indecision all across the board, and I worry that they, they're too coddled. They've had too many choices. They get too much opportunity to, you know, we're like, be themselves. Let them be who they are. Like, I was myself. I was, I was who I was. But my parents were in charge of what we were doing. And I think and that like comes back to the observation and trust. Because there is no formula for this. And when you first were describing them choosing restaurants and meals, I'm thinking, I'm sure that came up in Kindergarten Roundup, voice and choice. How do we raise our children to have their voice to be able to make responsible choices and accept the consequences of them? I mean, that is what, we, what I want for children. Mm -hmm. But now you say, okay, but every every flip side of every coin, there is not one coin out there that doesn't have the flip side. And we know what it's like in the sense of, I described this situation of perfect learning, which is we are raising a generation of innovative learners where they're going to know not facts, but how to find the information that they need. Mm -hmm. But then with the flip side of that is all of us have a fear of missing out because there's so many choices, there's so many options, there's so many everything that we can't, we sometimes we become deer in headlight and can't mm -hmm. make decisions. So yeah, I, I again, I guess what it comes down to is their world will be different, yeah. but and and they will have experiences and skills and abilities that we did or didn't have, but at the same time they're going to have their own challenges and struggles that come with that. I guess um, preparing him for transition—he's got it. He's got it. He's got it. He's teaching you. He so let's do me. our wrap up. Um, the one other thing that I just want to throw out—if you—if you want to use it as part of your wrap up—and that is when. Um, when it is hard to trust, you know, when you're preparing them for change, preparing yourself for change, and it's and it was what I was wondering about when I was sitting down to sit with the three of you for see me, hear me, love me, and that is, we all believe in it. We want to believe in that trust. We want to believe in their voice. We want to believe in their potential, in our ability to partner, collaborate, and be skill builders and support people completely and always there with them, but. Where, where we face the struggles of trusting them and trusting ourselves and how we manage that, if you want. But otherwise, how have you got this? Managing the change, managing the cracks in the bubble, or just celebrating being on the other side of one bubble and into another? Who wants to go first? Fingers are at you, Shirley. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's uh, I, I like I think they're I think she's just ready to go. I think she's excited to go, and I have to have faith that wherever they go, what they're going to experience is designed specifically for them, for someone their age, for someone of their abilities. So they should be able to conquer it. She should be able to go on the bus because Jacob's already been on the bus. I know that he gets on the bus. He gets off the bus at school, and then he finds his classroom, and then he sometimes brings home his homework, and then. You know, it all happens. So I think the second time around, I'm less anxious about, you know, the new experience because the new is not the new new. Right. It's really just like the new version of new with Sydney versus what Okay, but I'm going to put you back on the spot for Jacob negotiating or managing the um, choices or too many choices or where he fits in, in this world of open, this, this big world of choice. How have you got this 
as you analyze or figure out how to bend that for him now? Um, I think that I've taken back a little bit of the power from the kids. Before, it's like, you know, you want to be a good mom. You want them to, like, love you and think that you're the fun one and the cool one and the whatever. And you think that giving them choices and saying, like, oh, let's go to Chuck E. Cheese today or let's go here, that you've you've um, done something nice for them, but then you have to be aware that then there's an expectation from them that, like, this is what goes on every day. This is not just, like, how I see it in my head of, like, oh, let's just do this once in a while then they want this to be, you know, how it is all the time. So it's a balance. So I think I'm trying to take back some of the choices and now, like, not just saying, oh, just pick whatever you want. Now I give them two choices. So choose between two things, and this is what it's going to be. It's not just like an open-ended, you know, let's just sit here for an hour while we go through Perfect. all the possibilities. And I'm sure that's what they, they, that, that, that's what they need from you. Right. Well, it's easier for them, and it's easier for me. Yeah. Yeah. When you, when you hit it, it's easier. Right. Yeah. Marnie, how have you got this? I've got this because I am continuing to learn to let go a little bit at a time. I'm not like the kind that just rips the Band-Aid off, which would probably be so much better for me. I do it very slowly, and I'm learning to just, like you said, trust him more. And for me, it's about a safety thing. I don't want him to get hurt, you know? Not even, I just, I don't want him to get hurt, but it's okay. I mean, as long as it's like, you know, a little bit of hurt, he'll learn. So I'm, I'm learning to watch him grow and just be who he's going to be and continue to tell me stuff like, Mom, I told you. I know how to do that. I told you so. Like, he says that a lot. Told you so. And I'm like, you sure did tell me so. Good job. You know, I'm thinking, wow, I'm, I'm the idiot here. He knows how to do that. He doesn't need me to show him how to do that. He knows how to do it. So he's just maturing. Like, you know, it sounds cliche, but right before my eyes, he's turning into this, like, little man with, like, personality and ideas and opinions. And, you know, he's not a baby anymore. And, and somehow telling you that he's got it is probably very, very uh, powerful for him. Yes, so, very much uh, so. He feels like a, you know, like a big kid. He feels like he's just like his big brothers and he's doing things just like them. And it's nice. It's nice to see him, you know, turn into this human that's, you know, got all these feelings and opinions and so on and so forth. So I think I just need to continue to brace myself for change and, you know, know that it's happening. You don't have to hold on with, like, sure? white knuckles. Are you sure, Miss Karen? I'm sure. All right. Trust Hands me. up in the air on the roller coaster. That's totally me. I was just about to say. That's totally me. Let's talk when about you feel this, I want you to do this. Yeah, I'll just, yeah, got it. That will never happen. Never happen. No. In one million years. No. <laughs> I'm going to be chasing you down the hallway from now till June. <laughs> Lynn, how have you got this? Um, I think the trust thing is is huge, and I think you got to go all in with the trust, and then on each individual decision, think about what the what the consequence is. So, like for the math test example, if he says he's good and he's ready, and he's really not, what's the consequence? He fails a math test. Okay, I'm okay with that. I can live with that. Um, but to just assume that they do have it, and to give them the trust, and that will they'll feel that, and they'll know that you truly believe in them. Um, and I think that's the key uh, because you're not going to be holding their hand, you know, throughout the journey. And as they grow older, it changes. But what doesn't change is you'll always be their parent. You'll always trust them. And as a parent in this world of digital everything and information everywhere, I think your role is really to filter it kind of as long as you can. And that's going to change too. But for now, I can pretty much filter that. Um 
and make an environment that allows them to thrive and, and become who they are and have their voice and be strong and confident and independent. I'm excited. I'm so excited for that journey for them. And that is, we are now renaming this podcast, Change and Trust. So thank you all for being part of the anniversary podcast. Thank you. So that's the mess for today. We appreciate you listening to See Me, Hear Me, Love Me. Seeing little people learn and grow. Listening to parents taking a crazy, uncertain journey. Loving the fun and loving the mistakes. You write the rules. You write your story. We just want to be part of the conversation. But in the end, we know you got this. We'll catch you next week. Take care. Oh, 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 wait. We're growing too. So if you had a great time today, please spread the word to a friend. You can also join our conversation on Facebook. That's with Karen Deerwester. And there's great parenting resources for you at www.familytimeinc.com. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks to everyone at B'nai Torah Congregation for this lovely space. Thank you, David Dweck, for that sweet voiceover. And thanks to The Front and The Follow for the song Listen. We are listening. Thanks, everyone. See you next week.